welcome to Unnecessary Angst. Ooh, said it with some sass that time, Julia. I like it. I know. It. It's because I finally remember what the podcast is called. I'm so proud of you. Episode 8, you finally got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Making progress. We're getting there. We'll eventually learn how to run a podcast at some point. Uh, how are you doing this week? I know it's been kind of a, a crazy couple of weeks, but how's everything going? Well, supposedly I'm on school vacation, if you will, class vacation, Um, but (laughs) I've done a paper, I've done a design portfolio, (laughs) I'm not really doing a lot of vacationing here. That's unfortunate. But, oh well, that's in graduate soon, I guess. So I'm I'm just tired, you know, enjoying my April spritz. How about you? Ooh, April spritz, that's very Mm -hmm. summery for November. You know what, an April spritz? It, it is so good. It deserves to be had year-round. That's all I'm going to say. I love an April I, I know how much you love your April's. I do. Um, well, I'm doing all right. It's been kind of a crazy week at work, and I'm physically and mentally exhausted. After we finish filming today, I'm definitely just going to go lay in the bathtub for an hour <laughs> just to decompress and then I cry. I support this. Yeah, and then cry about that life decision because I found out at like 4 p.m. today that I need to be on a 6 a.m. call tomorrow morning. So really excited about that. Um, love the East Coast time zone messing with my day. <laughs> but uh, good news is I signed all my paperwork for my house yesterday. So Yay. tomorrow I should officially be a homeowner, which is extremely exciting. And... Um, yeah, so I'm drinking Prosecco to celebrate the closing of my first house purchase. I am so proud of you. I haven't even rented, and here you are with a house. It is crazy. I know, wow. especially since you're older than me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Embarrassing. <laughs> oh, well. It's all right. You're probably going to get married before I am. Ah, uh, yes, me with all of my boyfriend history. <laughs> Whether or not you can find a man does not dictate your life worth, Julia. Come on. Have we learned nothing? Uh, no, no. Stop falling into Evelyn's trap. I don't want to hear any of this. (laughs) All right, so today we're doing chapters 17 and 18 of The Concealed. Uh, And there's... Get some information, I guess, these episodes. We get a little risque a couple of risque scenes between Evelyn and Jared um uh, yeah it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to go through I in the the synopses that I wrote for us I uh very high level skated over all of that I'm just like they made out but almost all the way made out because I'm not like three gonna times. use I know I'm not gonna use uh adult words because I still talk like a five-year-old so so you'll see that as you're going through this. (laughs) But let's just get into it. Do you want to walk us through what happened in chapter 17? Yes. And once again, just like the last episode, this is like three chapters in one. I do not understand how she breaks down her chapters. Like, Yes, you do. It's when Evelyn wakes up in the morning. Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. So chapter 17 Thank God we wake up with Evelyn in chapter thank, 17. Thank God. Again. She's alive. I mean, thank God. 
Uh, so she's in a different setting this time, and she's feeling kind of off, tingly, and, like, mm, doesn't really know what's going on, and she starts remembering what happens in the previous night, and kind of has a panic attack, um, which Jared, who thankfully comes in and helps her while she is in the shower, because she puked, <laughs> explains to her. So, she's in the shower, Jared isn't in the shower, oh, she's on the floor of the shower, I should say, um, after she has puked, and he explains that she was attacked by a dim- I'm not saying this correctly, Dimnatus, a creature of Morgana? Yeah. Damnatus? I was gonna go with Damnatus. Dam- Dam- Damnatus. Damnatus. I'm gonna call it Damnatus. It just okay, sounds a little bit cool. better. <laughs> We're in church? Great. I love it. Run with it. Full Latin. <laughs> Um, Jared admits he put her to sleep the night before to get her to calm down, but feels bad about it. Um, and she's like, what are you talking about? You saved my life. Shut up. Um, and then they start to make out because that is what one does, I guess, after you have escaped another terrible experience. I mean, uh, yeah, some but, people just get but, really horny. <laughs> but reminder, they're still in the the shower with the shower running with (laughs) all their clothes on a lot of talk about what's happening to jared's clothes right now while they get wet (laughs) we won't get into that um so jared starts to emit a glow um literally and enid walks in doesn't see them of course but like is asking for evelyn and evelyn's like oh damn (laughs) runs out of the shower with a towel on and um Ina does not think anything of it um, and basically explains that they have a council meeting in an hour and to, to please join. Um, so with clothes Jared on. Comes, oh, yes, with clothes on. Jared comes out <laughs> um, and explains the whole situation about the fire and the dorm and the, how they covered it up to make it look like a, a gas leak, the order, um, and that they brought all of her stuff to the room, which, like, question about security there and like privacy things but whatever um they bring it all to this new room and um the book that ruth gave her on nimue has gone missing (gasps) um and so the they go to the council meeting um and she meets the rest of the council which now includes judith and montgomery and the rest of her the people she's already met evelyn um asks uh, what attacked me and rightfully says like no one has told me a damn thing and they're like oh well we're just trying to protect you and she's like huh can't protect me myself if I don't know what I'm up against so yep. snaps for Evelyn and Professor Martin explains they're evil creatures that have lost their place in the world these dumb not two things um, and that when a, pr- a person commits a violent crime, part of their soul is lost, and then they are subject to damnation when they die. Damnation. That's a normal English word. Please say it as <laughs> such. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Morgana um, then tracks them down before they cross into hell and offers them a deal to serve in her in eternal bondage instead of going to hell. How dark did this turn, though? Yeah. Like, immediately, you just went off a cliff. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. dark. Karen um, gets really upset that they're sharing all these details, um, especially when Evelyn asks to confirm it's Morgana behind everything, and Jared yells at Karen, and Enid (laughs) 
Enid switches and <laughs> is like, hey, Evelyn, um, can you please share your story? And Evelyn tells them it was waiting for her, which surprises them. They thought it was coming after Jared, but now we know it's coming after Evelyn. <gasps> She's in danger. Who knew? Oh, my God. <laughs> also, like, so, wait, just praise to Enid for being, like, the queen of misdirect or, like, redirection. And yeah. just, like, Karen's being a child, and so she just redirects into a different direction. You can tell she's the mom of a nine-year-old, which we will yep. get to in a bit. Uh, so then they leave the meeting, and Madison's mother, Claire, was eavesdropping. The She was, wasn't she, like, outcast or something? Or she was, like, she was put, what was it? Yeah, well, she was, she's still in the like order but she was taken off the high council due to a conflict of interest because mm-hmm. madison's missing that's right that's right um which like why like is it that easy to eavesdrop on a meeting like that but whatever um and so she's not looking too happy when evelyn comes out and uh they walk to the mess hall the cafeteria <laughs> the food place um, i don't know why i kept calling it mess hall you'll see that a lot i'm sorry <laughs> Um, and Evelyn sees the inner circle eating lunch and including the first librarian that took the Combray book from her, um, plus the man that has been stalking her, um, which we will get to in a second. Um, and then Enid, as Chantal just said, Enid has a nine-year-old daughter, Jessica, who we also meet and turns out to be kind of obsessed with Evelyn. But she's adorable, so it's okay. Yeah. It's not like a weird (laughs) obsessed. It's not the stalker. Uh, so Jared tells Evelyn the whole circle only gathers for special occasions or exceptional, quote, exceptional circumstances, which Evelyn is like, am I a special occasion? And he's like, no, you're just special or something like really no, stupid she's like that. Like, she's like, oh, am I an exceptional circumstance? Because yeah. that's like a bad thing. And he's like, no, you're a special occasion, obviously. Um, and then he takes her on a tour of the place but instead of the entire place they just go to his room because which he requests normal yeah because she wants to finish what they started yeah um but then they see a picture of his family and they talk about his music collection and then that leads to a lot of making out wow who knew never saw that coming but this time it almost goes all the way and they're about to seal the deal (laughs) when dirt accidentally explodes his stereo I love this part so much. I have so many feelings on it, which I'll get into. But, like, I love that. Oh, God. Um, So, finally, they decide to continue the tour because that was a no-go. And they go to the library and the parking garage and then go through a gate. And an entrance is guarded by stone pillars. And they see a lawn, which is bordered by forests. And Jared fills her in on the protective magic around the place. And he goes to then goes to meet with Enid. So Evelyn hangs out in this little lawn area, um, saying that she's perfectly protected here because it's there's some protection spell. Which sounded a little ominous to me, to me, but nothing happens. So and then she meets the stalker whose name is Garrett. Garrett? Garrett. Garrett. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know names. Um, and that we learn that um, Karen ordered him to stalk her, but he never told Karen about Evelyn. Um, well, he, he was ordered to stalk Evelyn's sister. Never yeah. told Karen about Evelyn because he didn't think Karen had the right idea or the right motivations. 
Sally then calls. Oh, she goes back to her room, and I think, and then Sally calls and um, is very worried because of the fire. And Evelyn says that she was fine; she wasn't near it, um, and tells her this fake gas story. Um, she says she will see her on Monday and goes to dinner with everyone, and has a nice bonding moment with Enid's daughter Jessie. And that is where we end chapter. She two. also confirms with Sally. She's like, "Yeah, I'm living with Jared," and Sally's like, "Oh, oh." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a lackluster response that I wasn't expecting from Sally, but interesting. We'll get into it. Um, but yeah, so chapter 18, again, we start in the way we must always start with Evelyn waking up. But this time she wakes up next to Jared because they slept next to each other, I guess, during the night. And they go to eat breakfast with Colin. Um, they're talking about Sally and, like, how much to tell her, how much to spend time with her. And they agree it's too dangerous for her to kind of get involved and know what's going on right now. So they're all going to keep some distance from her, which kind of breaks Colin's heart a little bit. Um, and Colin says that Evelyn was lucky that Jared was near to, nearby to save her because he'd been dropping her off at her dorm, obviously. But he thinks that she needs to learn how to defend herself um, better. So just in case Jared's not there for some reason, Jared <laughs> bristles at this idea because he doesn't want Colin to hurt her. And Colin is extremely offended that Jared thinks he doesn't know how to train people and that um, he won't like adapt his training style based on his trainee. So Evelyn agrees and she goes and gets ready for training. Jared follows her to her room. They flirt some more. They kiss some more. Jessie walks into her room with athletic tape so she can stabilize her wrists, and Jared puts them on for her. Um, they go to the gym, which is basically a giant ballroom, and Colin tells Jared to leave so that Jared can't get all overprotective and they can't actually train. Um, Jessie stays by or stays back so she can watch and learn because she's going to be starting her own training next year when she's ten. Um, Evelyn gets huffy unnecessarily that Colin thinks that she can't hold her own against him, which is, like, ridiculous because he's built like a truck and she's tiny, but sure. And then she realizes that he's actually right and he's just being, like, absolutely honest and, like, direct with her so that she can learn and, like, you know, so he can keep her alive. And then <laughs> transition right into training. He asks her to punch him in the face. Which is a great start to any training exercise, I think. Uh, she doesn't want to do it, so he calls her a water sprite, which reminds her of Felix and makes her angry. So she punches at him, but right before she makes contact, he grabs her wrist and, like, twists her arm around so that she can't hurt him. And then they spend some time working on that move, so he shows her how to do it. Uh, then he chokes her so he can show her how to get out of a chokehold and, like, apply a similar chokehold to someone else so they work on that for a little bit they keep fighting working on different skills and then he clocks her on accident and of course that's right when jared walks in and jared <laughs> starts the lights popping because he's upset and he can't control his magic um freaking Five out that colin years old i know he's so, like freaking out that colin hurt her but gets over it she goes and takes a shower after she gets out, she runs into Jesse and 
Jessie was, like, waiting outside her room for Evelyn because she's her biggest fan. Enid shows up and apologizes for Jessie being a little overeager and offers to take her to Karen's office because that's where Jared is. Her and Evelyn have a conversation while they're walking about why people don't like Evelyn, and Eden basically confirms it's because of the prophecy, but in her mind, the prophecy is really vague and is open for interpretation, and Evelyn lets her know that she's read the prophecy, but she swears that she'll never hurt Jared, and Enid believes that she bears no ill will towards him. Uh, and that's kind of how the chapter ends. So not too much really happens in chapter 18, but chapter 17 is a lot of whiplash and a lot of information. Yeah... So let's just let's just jump into our thoughts. How did you feel about chapter 17? I like Jared annoys me so much. He is the most self-deprecating love interest. I'm so sorry, but he is the most self-deprecating love interest I think I have ever had to read about. Like if I were Evelyn, I would have clocked him like a long time ago for just being so like if it wasn't for me, like, if I didn't do this, if I hadn't dragged you into this, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, you, you done saved me, dude. What do you want? What else can I do? This is what teenagers do, Julia. I mean, I guess so, but I don't want a guy like that. <laughs> yeah, I also don't want you to date a teenager. Well, I, even as a teenager, I don't think that the guys that I was attracted to were like that at all. Um that's just my personal preference but yeah um but yeah i (laughs) the whole shower scene i just like i like kind of i think blacked out after reading that because i was like can you slow it down guys uh this like i just feel so bad for evelyn that's my thing it's like i feel bad for evelyn she's going through a lot right now and like then hormones take over and they're like clawing at each other and i'm like whoa (laughs) i don't know yeah okay (laughs) i mean like yeah i agree i have no words (laughs) evelyn's been through a lot for like one trimester of college like a lot has happened to this poor girl monster attacks sexual assault like this poor girl needs a break and maybe jumping into an intimate physical relationship is not the break that she needs. Yeah. But she's going to do it anyways. Um, also, like, just in terms of pacing and, like, timing, it feels very weird to me that, like, at this point, we're almost four-fifths of the way through the book, and, like, we still haven't met the villain. Like, this is the first time. Wait, yeah. What? Where, like, we even get a hint of the villain's involvement in the plot which is kind of crazy that like we just met one of Morgana's minions and then we spend another 10% of the book not meeting Morgana like by the time we finish chapter 18 we still haven't met Morgana and we're 90% done yeah that which is, is actually true and it's annoying I want to so, meet Morgana <laughs> well so it just tells you Bring like in terms of Morgana in terms of pacing there's gonna be a lot left to be worked out in the sequel <laughs> Man. which it's definitely being set up for a sequel based on the way that the pacing has been going um I also don't really understand the whole panic attack thing like completely valid for her to have a panic attack and mm-hmm. throw up because of it but it wasn't written very 
well to explain no. she was having a panic attack. Like, she just seemed like, I feel sick. I'm going to puke. Oh, I like water. I'm just going to go sit in the shower. And then only once Jared comes in do we learn she still has all of her clothes on and has been, like, a, I, all like, over I the really place. I really thought that it was, it was not a panic attack. I thought it was just, like, she had inhaled all that smoke and, like, clearly Jared had done – we knew Jared had done something to her. Right. Her body's just so reacting. I was like, oh, like, yeah. It didn't he seem – to say it. Right. It didn't seem like a panic attack because she didn't act like she was having a panic attack. She just seemed tired. Yeah. It was weird. I, I don't know if that's a translation thing or not, but it was just kind of strange. And, like, when I was reading it before he came in and said, you had a panic attack, I was reading it and I was like, Jared – if you're gonna like have a really negative panicky reaction every time she pukes, college is gonna be hard for the two of you, because this is not gonna work out if she gets drunk. <laughs> Just saying. Also, like the fact that they were okay. So like I get she goes into the shower for comfort, but then he comes in with her when they're making out in there, and I'm like. Uh, is this a waste of water? Like, can you at least shut the shower off or something? I don't no, know. because she thrives in water, Julia. Oh, that's right. We Sorry. need to save all of the water for Evelyn. Come on. I don't know. <laughs> it is wasteful. But again, do people think about that in YA books? No. Conservationism no. is not... A strong a topic. I'm, I'm going to write away a series, and it's just going to be all about, like, the environment and conservation. <laughs> oh, interesting. Watch. Everyone's okay. going to be so aware of conserving the environment, conserving how much energy they're using, how much water they're using, where they're doing their recycling. It's going to revolve completely around recycling. Is this fiction or nonfiction? It's fiction. Oh. <gasps> Ooh. Or it's going to be a dystopian novel where everyone has trashed the world so terribly and used up all of the energy and climate change is upon them and they have to survive. There so, like, The Handmaid's Tale? Yes. I'm or, writing oh, The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Rewriting it. What's that book? Onyx and Crake? Oryx and Crake? That's another okay. Margaret Atwood book. Oh, my God. That's you. <laughs> that is a good climate dystopia. You should okay, read it. It's I'm an adult book, Wait, so we won't I'm do it on the podcast. But I haven't read the whole series. I've only read the first book. It's it's kind of hard to get through because I mean, if you've read Margaret Atwood, she's a very distinct style. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of you have to like piece things together as you go. <laughs> but it was a good book. It just is dense. Anyways, so okay. I, the Dam, Damnatus, Damnatus, whatever we're calling Damnatus. it. Damnatus. I was curious when reading this, I was like, hmm, where did the English translator get this word from? Is this the word that was used in the original German? Like, what does this mean? Why was it chosen? Does it have any basis in historical or legendary fact? Uh, no. The answer is no. Um. <sighs> I googled it. I tried to do some research. It does in Latin translate to sentenced or hateful or criminal, which kind of ties into the description that we get. Like they've been sentenced to hell and like this bond 
bondage situation they've committed hateful acts they're criminals like it it kind of ties from like a latin root perspective but well yeah because of atus like damn atus (laughs) like you didn't take that long to make it i mean i don't speak latin i just know damn um i think i think i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure atus means like you like possess that so you are Mm. possessing damn damn damnation interesting okay fair enough um but if you google the word uh damnatus you the results that you get which this is i can't even classify this as pop culture because it definitely is not pop culture um but it it apparently was the name of a low budget non-commercial german film Oh, God. Set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. I don't know what that means, nor did I do any more research to figure that out. Wait, isn't isn't Warhammer a video so, game? I thought so, but what is Warhammer 40,000? Yeah, know. it's, it's, a, it's a, a video game. Okay, so basically this was a fan-made game, or movie, about a video game. <laughs> it's the most popular in Britain. <laughs> this is the Google result from Wikipedia. Warhammer 40,000 is a miniature war game produced by Games Workshop. It is the most popular miniature war game in the world. It is most popular in Britain. So it's not a video game. It is a toy game, I guess. Oh. Oh my god. So why would you make a movie? Anyways, they made a movie about it, and it never had wide release because of copyright issues between Britain and Germany, which just oh seems ironic for this whole book. Oh god. Anyways, I just found that absolutely hilarious because it has nothing to do with this plot, um, but she, she couldn't pick a word that like actually exists in legend. She was like, no, I'm gonna make something up that's based off of a non-existent movie. Um, so that's fun. I, I, I think she probably has some Latin background, and so my guess is she just was like, damn, natus. Probably, yeah. Natus. That's, that's fair. <laughs> a lot of Germans have Latin background. <laughs> yeah. I, I do think the good thing about Jared in this beginning part of the chapter is like he does at least have the wherewithal to know that it's like not okay to medicate people against their will or without their (laughs) consent so like i get that you were like well he was super self-deprecating and like and she was just like well thanks for saving me but his magic is kind of like medicine and so like he really should always ask people for consent before yeah, but she was clearly like I understand I think she was that. at that point where she was unresponsive enough. No, and, and I completely and he did the right thing to just do it. And like he shouldn't get super upset about it, but like it is from a character perspective, especially given what happened with Felix, like the fact that he does think about consent and like think about when he wasn't able to gain it and feel bad about that makes me like him. <laughs> personally <laughs> i'm also just really over him glowing every time they make out i that, that would freak me out so much I would be so like cool 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 so i'm just an average girl and you're a fucking angel 
great. So <laughs> excited about this difference that we have. <laughs> yeah, nope. I would not be about that at all. Um, I also love how, like, for... Well, okay, so one thing. I really like that Eden's nice to her because she needs one nice adult. <laughs> yes. Um, desperately. And also, how many fires do we think Jared has accidentally started? Because he was like, oh, that's the usual procedure for this sort of mishap. It's like, how I many know. times has he done this? But, like, on this point about, like, having the fire, I have... <sighs> She moves in basically with Jared. Like, not really, but basically. Um, like, they're not sharing her. Well, are they sharing? They're not sharing a room. No, They're just yes. sleeping together. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, literally sleeping, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, why is it such a thing in YA to have something happen to the protagonist's home or bedroom or whatever to the point where, like, they have to move in with their love interest? Like, it is a thing with a capital T. Okay, but this <laughs> does happen in real life. But, like, it's every YA book. Like, oh, something happened? Oh, you got to stay over at my place tonight. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. If this hadn't, if this exact situation hadn't happened to me, like, in my own actual life, I probably would, like, nitpick at it more. But, like, well, I've yours literally was, like, gone extenuating circumstance. So is Evelyn! <laughs> I'm just saying. It happens. It's a great plot device to get them to be together. <laughs> yeah. But that's all it is, is a plot device. Like... It's an obvious one. It's reused probably a bit too much, but it's still fun. Yeah. Um, who do we think hid the Nimue book or took it? Oh, Karen Mayflower. Yeah? Right? Because she's the one that's, like, um, all about quote-unquote protecting Evelyn and then, like, doesn't tell her a damn thing. Right? I honestly, so I can say this with 100% certainty, I have no recollection of who took it, <laughs> um, so I'm also guessing. I'm, like, looking to you for an answer here. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's Karen, right? <laughs> um, I wish I knew. I I kind of think it's Morgana, because, like, the Damnatus had been, like, waiting in her room for a while, so would have had the ability mm. to, like, pass the book along, and Morgana has been trying to break into Avalon like Avalon all these years maybe there's like a secret hint in that book that she could use is the magic hidden in the book I don't know oh my god maybe Ruth was wrong it's not hidden in a rock or a stone (laughs) no because the magic can't leave Avalon and Avalon's not in the book Julia (laughs) damn it well maybe Avalon maybe we're gonna find out that it's not a literal place maybe Avalon is what Jared and Evelyn will make together. No. Oh. <laughs> like, really looking for this, like, special chemical connection here. I mean, you can continue to think that if you want. We will not go to Avalon in this book, so. Damn it. Damn it. There's only 10% left, and we haven't even left one Morgana. Out of five. You think they're going to... One out of five. <laughs> they do... I mean, let's just say Avalon... 
plays a part in the plot of The Revealed, which is the second book. Okay, well, that's going to be a while if we ever get to that. We will, because we're going to do a one-episode recap of it. Oh, no. It's fine. Um, Anyways, I just, I think that there could be multiple people that hid the book, potentially. I wonder, I don't remember if we find out at the end of this book or not, but I'm interested to see. I really love how their entire, like, location space is like modern and ancient at the same time that's just like a decor that i love (laughs) where it's like all the ancient walls but then you have like actual lights and like real plumbing it's great (laughs) (laughs) so you like glamping (laughs) yep that's accurate (laughs) that's an accurate way to put it instead of camping it's like going to an old medieval place and you could still use the bathroom yes exactly (laughs) just want to be in castles all the time sorry you don't want to pee in a pan uh no (laughs) i don't thank you for the offer um okay so there's this great moment when uh jared and evelyn are talking like before the council meeting and Jared's like I'm really starting to believe that Karen's paranoid and Evelyn is like she she just says to herself I thought it was better not to respond though I would have preferred to congratulate Jared on this insight I'm like she is getting so sassy so so funny I'm all here for it I'm so here for it she's finally realizing like everyone around her is kind of dumb (laughs) which is hilarious because like she took a really long time to pick up on some of this stuff but she's it's not stopping her it's not stopping her from sassing everyone else into oblivion and i love it um also jared broke the seating chart which just like really stresses me out (laughs) Always sit by the seating chart, Jared. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. And then we get to learn what the, the uh, Domnatus are, which everything about this section of the book, I hated. Yeah, it was so weird. It felt like we were in a different book. It did. It just got so dark, like, yeah. which I know I said earlier, but it just made me really uncomfortable, like, with how descriptive they were being about how these people, like, turn into this. And, I mean, I have a lot of pop culture references, so, like, I'll get into that later, which I'm sure you do, too. But, um, it... I don't, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine, then. Then I'll just cover my pop culture references later. <laughs> But, like, it just, I don't know. It feels very icky. It really affected you. It did. I didn't like it. I Mm. don't like thinking about these things. Because if you think about it, like, could Felix turn into one of these? I mean, maybe, but he hasn't died yet. No, he hasn't died yet. That's true. But, like, was a part of his soul damaged? I mean, I'm... But he didn't go through with it, so I don't think that... If we're going by the nine circles of hell, I don't know that he would have actually been damned yet. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if, like... Which, this is probably too technical, but I wonder if it has to be, like, a full-out rape, or if it 
like a I, sexual assault yeah. counts like i don't know it's that's not the way i want him to come back into the story well, his thoughts were probably dark so that could count yeah intent probably matters yeah. a lot too i also okay so i'm just like really struggling with karen in this chapter like i came back to this reread and i don't know why but i really thought i liked her in this series so like i don't know maybe she gets better later on maybe she gets better in book two and i'm just like putting that on book one but i'm just like so upset with how mean she is i feel like she's the sort of character that like she's just overprotective yeah and so she's very protective she clearly sees jared as like another son um so she's doing everything in her power to protect him and right now because she doesn't know a lot maybe you know evelyn looks like she's a foreign person basically like she doesn't know evelyn she looks like a threat from what she knows about nimue and everything so i feel like she could have this really great kind of moment where she realizes like evelyn isn't the problem and like evelyn actually could help protect jared and so she'll kind of switch and start protecting evelyn like that's my hope for karen we just need a catalyst yeah exactly which is probably gonna happen at the very end of the book (laughs) if it happens at the end of the book we're like almost there (laughs) i know but like it'll be the cliffhanger right like there's a catalyst read book two um and then okay i just i don't understand why claire is so angry at evelyn like evelyn didn't do anything so i don't know how much of that is feeling angry that like madison is gone feeling angry that jared didn't pick madison and then just like misplacing all of that anger at evelyn or how much of it is just like karen inserting her influence it has to be a combination of all of that right because like she she can't be mad at jared because jared's the one that she's trying to protect like her life is bound up in serving jared so she's just misdirecting her anger at an easier target which is evelyn which is Mm -hmm. so unfair (sighs) it's unnecessary one might say (laughs) at least we do get a lot of mysteries solved uh in this chapter we learn about the librarian and confirm that she's in the order we learn that the person who's stalking her is not going to murder her probably i got (laughs) I got really concerned when they were talking about Jared's family. And um, they were like, oh, Jared's mother reminded me of Grace Kelly. Like, fine. (laughs) Cute. Attractive. Cool. His father looked like an athletic version of Professor Martin. (laughs) Is there, like, incest running on in the order? Is that his I uncle? Mean, like, you know, what's... those medieval Arthurian legends, you know? Ugh, I didn't like it. <laughs> Pretty sure I have a pop culture reference for that, too, but I don't like it. Um, I also just really wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Jared's music taste, since you're a resident music expert. <sighs> I was hoping that you would ask me about this. <laughs> Wait, let me turn to the page. Um, so, first of all, there's, like, I looked up one of the artists because I did mm-hmm. not recognize the name, and I was really pissed off about that. This Ryan Sheridan is literally, I think, just a random Irish, like, 
singer does not have that many plays on Spotify. I'm like, does she have some sort of special connection to this guy? I don't understand. Maybe he but paid like, for promotion. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like the rest of these, like first of all, Travis, I'm pretty sure they like disappeared after One Tree Hill. Like that's all I know about them. So they have a song in one of the One Tree Hill albums. <laughs> that's it. And like the rest of them, first of all, she's like an eclectic mix, and I'm like, no, it's just like what I listen to, which is some classical mix with some rock music. It's not eclectic at all. What's Inaudi? Inaudi is a pianist. Oh, or a, I don't remember okay. a pianist or a violinist, but it's classical. Classical. Music. Okay. Yeah. And Yoruma, I'm guessing, is also classical. Pianist, also, yeah. So they, she just went by genre, basically. Yeah. So she went basically <laughs> classical, like alt rock pop. Yes. Rock yelling. <laughs> What's TOS? Um, I I don't actually know. That's actually a good question. I don't. I've never heard of them before. Terms of service. Is that the name? <laughs> no. <laughs> No. Oh, here we are. Oh, it's a, it's a German band from Ravensburg. Okay, there's no way Jared listens to that. She just slipped in her favorite artist. Oh, no. I called that, Bull. They did play Rock and Ring, so they're clearly a big name, but I'm guessing that they're going to be only a big name in Germany. They started in 2005. Oh, and they ended in 2015, so maybe this is her homage to them. Oh my god. Mm. I, um, I want the T on this. <laughs> okay, when I put TOS into Spotify, I just get toss a coin to your Witcher. That's the only thing that uh, shows That says up. a lot about your Google history. <laughs> uh, it's a lot about what I listen to on Spotify, yeah. Because mine comes up as something very different. Mine came up at first with thoracic outlet syndrome, which is a, a disorder with um, blood vessels. <laughs> so... No, that came up when I Googled it. I'm just saying oh, okay, when I put okay, it into okay. Spotify. Oh, with Spotify. Got it. Toss a coin because they're not on Spotify. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they ended in 2015. It doesn't look like they have that many like big hits. That's sad for them. Yes, yes. But the rest of them, Kings of Leon, great. Yeah, great love. Sex on band. Fire. It's great. Lincoln oh, Park. They are, more than, they are more than sex on fire. I am so disappointed in you right now. I am really? so Really? Are you really? You know, know I don't listen to music. I'm going to make you a Kings of Leon playlist after this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just but add like, it to my Chantel playlist. It's fine. I, I'll find it. I'm, like, really bothered by the fact that she calls it an eclectic mix. And I'm like, there's nothing eclectic about this. <laughs> like, I don't I have pop culture references about this too. Okay, good. Metallica. <laughs> um. Anyway, so then they start making out some more, and like, I'm sorry, I just really love this makeout session because like they're about to have sex. It's like very mm-hmm. intense, and then out of nowhere, Evelyn's just like, and then something exploded. <laughs> oh like God. it's the dorkiest thing to happen like there's romance yeah and they're talking about the romance but then it's just like total dork move that his magic blows up a stereo like that's 
It's basically the equivalent of, like, a 15-year-old boy, like, prematurely ejaculating. <laughs> but, like, in a funnier way. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Uh, you're not, but it's so funny. I was not going to take it there, but I'm glad that you did. <laughs> <laughs> this is an explicit podcast. <laughs> I was trying to find a nicer way of saying it, but... You, you, you said it. With, it's with just such a... Deserves. It's such a funny representation. And it just, like... I It cracks me up. But then Evelyn's like, we have to think of something so this doesn't happen, like, when we're kissing. I'm like, girl, you weren't <laughs> just kissing. Do you... Were you aware of what was about to just happen? Because, like, Can your I boyfriend glows. Like, like, girl. It's also just uncomfortable to read it. Because it's just so weird (laughs) you have well written romance scenes like this right and then you have romance scenes like this which i'm just like (laughs) i don't think these are that badly written i've read much worse ones Mm -mm. oh well i guess i don't really love romance but for me this is bad (laughs) so what is good Actually, a really good question. I don't know if I've read Because I don't think you scene. like romance. <laughs> I don't. But, like, I mean, this is a big problem. I mean, I don't like romance, period. <laughs> but, you know what? I'm going to find... I'll look through my past YA books, and I'm going to find one that I think works well. Oh, you know what comes off the top of my head? This is going to be a big spoiler, but um, the Shatter Me series. I mean, very, very, very problematic couple, Endgame, but they have. Oh, I guess this isn't really spoilery. Um, uh, very problematic couple, but at the end of the third book, they have a really good like. It's it's an easy. It like doesn't make you uncomfortable to read it, but it's still like I guess you could say steamy. Mm. Um, So yeah, I've just read way too many sex scenes in books at this point because romance (laughs) was like my genre of twenty twenty. So it this is tame. Compared, comparatively. So I'm not going to start picking up romance novels. <laughs> yeah, probably not. A good call for you. Um, I mean, listen, is it the best written romance scene I've ever seen? Like, no. But it's also not as explicit as, like, it could have been. Given well, yeah, how much they got interrupted doing. by the damn stereo. <laughs> No, but, like, even before that, like, it's really not that explicit. Like, I think she used the word breasts once. Like, most of it is him, like, touching her stomach. Like, it's tame. It's very tame. Okay. Um, More so than what we normally see in a YA novel, which is probably why it's so, like, jarring. But by adult yeah. standards, it's very tame. Well, I think it's, like, my problem with it is it's not it doesn't sound nice like you can have these kind of like steamier scenes romantic scenes but make it like descriptive make it sound like you're like really in that scene i guess you could say but um it just felt very like like static like they do this then they do this then they do this like that sort of thing yeah that's, that's fair my it was a little choppy it. i get that yeah um and that's probably a translation problem too yeah also, like, does anyone really want to read romance scenes written in German? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We love our home language, but no. <laughs> <clears throat> no. 
so then they finish their tour. Like, I don't know what it is, but something about, like, being in the woods and, like, being surrounded by the woods and having this, like, magic protection, it felt very, like, <laughs> fey to me. Ooh. Well, I think it's weird because she doesn't, like, talk about, like, it's not this, like, oh, they're in a meadow, they're fairies thing. That's where I'm, like, oh, they're Oh, not no, that's fairies. fair. It's more so, like, that they're in this, like, whole secret society, like, hidden in the woods. Like, that felt oh, yeah, very yeah. fey to me. Because um, a lot of times when you get, like, fae representations, it's, like, deep, deep in the woods and, like, someone only ever stumbles upon them and then gets murdered. Um, oh, that's the book. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. But then the fact that the spell makes the property invisible and, like, the this is a pop culture reference, but um, the fact that, like, anyone who comes near it feels a strong urge to walk in the other direction like it is a muggle repellent charm (laughs) this is harry potter (laughs) oh yeah that's true (laughs) it's just what that is (laughs) the next time i have that inkling i'm just gonna keep walking i'm gonna i'm gonna end up in in and hit an invisible wall yeah yeah (laughs) That'd be funny. Um, I really like Gareth, and I love it. I love him because I really enjoy finally meeting a character in the Order who, like, very clearly thinks for themselves and, like, actually thinks about the bigger picture rather than trying to just, like, do little pieces here and there. Because Karen, I think, is so focused on the piece that is Jared, and Jared is so focused on the piece that is Evelyn, and Gareth mm-hmm. is like, what's the most important big picture thing? And I'm like, oh, that's refreshing, even though you're a stalker. I know. That's, so that's my problem is, like, I really want to like Gareth, because he seems like he's a good character, but the fact that he was, like, stalking her, uh, like, I just can't get over Like, I know he was stalking her for a good purpose, but it's still just a weird thing. It's weird. I would like a, like, novella spinoff story of Gareth. Just Gareth's adventures as an undercover cop. More, more context. Um, but if you have nothing else to say about Gareth, um, I, that call with Sally felt kind of, like, sad to me. Because it was so short, I think, and they, like, I don't know, Sally, like, clearly was, like, not sure about Evelyn basically moving in with Jared. She's like, oh, you're with Jared now? And she was like, yeah. And Sally's like, hold on. I mean, this is why I'm assuming she's saying, like, hold on. I've been together with Colin longer than you've been together with Jared. What is going on here? Like, yeah. you know? Um, and the fact that Evelyn now has to lie to her about this gas story and stuff, like, I feel kind of bad for Sally. Like, I know she shouldn't know about this stuff, but it feels like she's really Evelyn's only friend, and you should have someone you can confide to who isn't your love interest about this sort of thing. And it shouldn't be Ruth, probably. And Yeah, and it should not be Ruth. <laughs> I agree. I think it would. it's important for Evelyn to have friends, but I also do think that it's fair that she can't really talk to Sally because it'll put Sally in danger. Yeah. I was about to say, like, what if she told Sally stuff, and then, oh my god, this would be so twisted. This is, like, going into, um, Game of Thrones here, but, like, what if Sally then got, like, she knew all this stuff, and then she got killed, and for some reason there was something really terrible in her past, and she became a dumb, 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 
for Morgana and knows all this stuff and then 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 poor Evelyn has to decide like do I try and save Sally from Dom Natus life or yeah so you're making this series <laughs> way more complicated than it ever is um you can't save a Dom Natus uh, they will just go to hell if they get broken out of Morgana's Repent, repent, repent. <laughs> but I also feel like if there was something really bad in Sally's past, which this is definitely not a plot point in the book, but if there was something really bad in Sally's past, she would choose to go to hell at the end to protect Evelyn. <gasps> That's true. You're right. Yeah. Well, is she that good of a friend to Evelyn? Yeah, I mean, she I feel is. like she would. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay so moving on to chapter 18 jared starts off way too strong at the beginning of this chapter like again he really pisses me off right now (laughs) he's just too into her it makes me a little bit uncomfortable i can Mm -hmm. see why i loved it in college yeah, I think, like, high school age for me would have been the time that I would have been, like, super into this. Because, like, every, like, teenager, as you said, wants to be infatuated and have a guy infatuated in her also. Yeah. But, like, honestly, I don't even know, like, if high school me would have actually enjoyed that. Um, right. Not that it happened to me, so I can't say. But, it, like, reading it now, I'm kind of like, I don't think I would have liked that. Like, I definitely don't like it now. Don't think I would have liked it then. <laughs> like, I would have loved it. <laughs> but that's because I was a much meaner person in high school and early college where I would have loved it because then I could have manipulated it to my advantages oh no (laughs) and now I'm much more empathetic and care about other people's needs so Mm. um I'm glad we're still waking up with Evelyn in the morning but we've gotten like new situations these two chapters like first she's waking up in a strange bed now she's waking up with another person like we're mixing it up a little bit and they're gonna live together forever oh that's so concerning though I do really love that when they go to breakfast so or Evelyn's like I don't want any more food I'm gonna uh, gain two pounds. And Jared's just like, three more won't hurt you, and jumps a bunch of potatoes on her that plate. Was such a weird conversation. This is the moment I knew I loved him. <laughs> I'm sorry, a man that's like, you can gain more weight and that'd be fine, and also feed you potatoes? My dream. Absolutely. Well, my, dream. I like, I, okay, this is really, like, I don't know. I. The whole narrative around this sort of thing, like the whole C- Cinderella story with Hilary Duff and whatever his name is. Um, Chad Michael Murray. Yeah, and how he's like, oh, like, I want a girl with a healthy appetite. Like, that was such a big thing I remember back in, like, 2005 or whenever mm-hmm. the movie came out. And now I'm looking back at that and, like, this kind of scene, too, where I'm kind of like, I mean, yeah, like, it's good to know that he doesn't care what her weight is. But at the same time, like, maybe she really isn't hungry. Maybe, like, she actually is on, like, a, a diet. Maybe she just, like, like don't push people. Like, I have this thing, like, don't push women especially on food. Like, let them do whatever they need to do. Like, maybe say some good confirmation or affirmation. <laughs> confirmation. Some nice affirmations. Like, yeah, like, you look great. Like, no matter what. Blah, blah, blah. Like, that kind of thing. But, like, when it comes to actually, like, eating food. Like, you're literally eating food and 
but like I don't know just don't go there that's my thing like just let them do what they want to do I mean that's fair but it also seems like they've been noticing or at least Colin has like noticed some behavior in her that she's not eating enough and that may be hyperbole but it may also not be she's gone through a lot of trauma in the last couple of days so she may not actually be eating as much as she should because she's still in shock and like sometimes you do need that extra push so like I like it because I personally would love for a guy to be like have more potatoes because that never happens to me no one ever is like Chantel you should have more potatoes they're like uh my parents were like that (laughs) that's true but I barely ate at your house so like (laughs) your mom was like are you sure you're full and I'm like yeah I'm fine and she's like I think you need more food (laughs) like you ate like five bites (laughs) Um, but, like, most of, especially when I'm dating people, like, they're like, oh, that's enough. And sometimes it's because they don't want to pay for more food at dinner. Sometimes it's because they think I'm fat. And sometimes it's because they're assholes. And sometimes it's a combination of all three. And I'm tired of it. So I personally just, like, really enjoy the fact that there's a person that's like, no, you should have more potatoes because I want someone to tell me that I can have more potatoes. Okay. That's why I fell in love with Jared. (laughs) But I, I completely, like, agree with your point that, like, women have their own bodily autonomy and should be able to make decisions for themselves, like, 100%. Um, I just want someone to offer me more potatoes. <laughs> and I'm really sad that Sally and Colin aren't going to be together. Yeah. Like, that's all we want from this book is more Sally and Colin. And she's deliberately keeping that from us. I mean, yes. But I also really appreciate that, you know... They're protecting Sally. I mean, yes. it's going to break everyone's hearts, right? But at the, the reason same time, is like, good. They're doing a good deed. So that makes it even better when they finally get to get together. <laughs> it's very Blair and Chuck. Like, the, yes. are they together? Are they not? <laughs> Just teasing us. Every yeah, couple of episodes. Con is a lot better of a character. Oh, they're much better than... people. They're much Blair better Chuck. people. <laughs> Yes, 100%. But it's that anticipation, you know? Everything with their whole fight around, like, training Evelyn irritated me. Like, first off, Jared should trust his best friend. He's the descendant of King Arthur. He knows what he's doing. Secondly, Colin shouldn't take his irritation that he's being separated from Sally out on his best friend. And thirdly, Evelyn should stop volunteering to get herself hurt. They're all wrong. (laughs) I'm glad, though, that Colin was like, listen, you need some defense practices. Like, thank God finally someone is like, hey, like, you don't know anything about self-defense. Like, is he doing it the right way? Probably not, but... No, it's good that she's getting that, because, like, I mean, she has the right instincts. Like, she's fought and back every time she's been attacked so far, but just a little bit of training will make her so much more effective. Um, Mm -hmm. And so, like, it's going to better position her hopefully in future scenes um which I can't tell you about so oh okay I also didn't know that you had to wrap your 
wrists when you use athletic tape. I thought you wrapped other parts of your hand. I don't know why I thought that. I don't know about any of this stuff, so. (laughs) I mean, last time I thought I wore, like, MMA, like, gloves. Like, the little hand stabilizer thing, so I didn't need athletic tape. But... I learned something new about how to fight. Apparently, you wrap athletic <laughs> tape around your wrists, I guess. Um, I learned how to fight through miscongeniality. Sing! <laughs> and she did not wrap her wrists or her hands. She didn't need to. She wasn't really throwing a full punch at any point. No, it's true. Yeah. I, I do really love, like, in the training session, like, how blunt Colin is. Like... She, I do think that they managed to write him so well in this scene where he's not being cocky or condescending about his skill level. Like, he's being extremely professional, extremely detached, Mm -hmm. and just, like, blunt with, like, what needs to be done and, like, assessing every single part of the situation in a detached way so it doesn't feel personal or, like, Evelyn feels attacked. Um... Or hurt by her friend saying that she's not good at something. Like, I just really appreciated that whole scene and how it was written. Because they it could have so easily made Colin sound like a jock who's just an asshole. But you truly see that he's, like, the descendant of a great bloodline. And, like, capable of greatness by being such a good coach. Um, which is not normally what we get from Arthur. So it's, like, really nice to see that, you know? Yeah. And, okay, so, I don't know anything, really, about Krav Maga or Wing Chun. Do you know anything yeah, about I, those martial arts? I have no Because I, <laughs> nope. I always thought judo was, like, a martial art where you use someone's strength against them. But I may be wrong. I don't know about any of these, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. There's a lot of, oh, you're going to have hated this scene. When, when Evelyn gets punched and Jared just goes off, you hated that, didn't you? Yep. I did not like it. I I just, I have a note here that just says, Jared needs to chill the fuck out. I just, like, I don't know. I, like, I don't <laughs> It's just a lot. Like, there's a lot of emotions flowing from both sides, like, so quickly. I tried to break it down into its its disparate parts in my comment, and I still was like, too many things are happening. Like, Jared feels guilty, so he yells. And then Evelyn is exasperated with Jared because she's grateful, and so she's like... That was, like, the the weird emotion. I was just, like, I've never felt so exasperatedly grateful with someone. I know that's not really a word, but, like. But that's exactly how to describe her. Like, that's what she's exasperatedly grateful. And then he gets angry because Madison steals the necklace. And then she's angry because he's yelling. And then he wants to make out with her. Yeah. It's just, like, it's a lot. It's very exhausting to follow. God, I must have been a nightmare to date in college because I'm sure I was like this. <laughs> Both sides at the same time. Oh, no. oh my God. Um, I also would like more Jessie, just in general, because she's adorable. I know, same. She is such a nice relief from the tension. She really is. And then I just, I, 
I kind of liked that we, like, circled back on the prophecy and, like, how vague it was at the end because that's exactly what we were talking about when Evelyn Mm -hmm. first read the prophecy. Like, it's so vague. It doesn't say anything, actually. And we're not actually going to know what it means until something happens. In book three. Which doesn't exist. (laughs) Yay. (gasps) Yay. All right. Should we get into the pop culture references? Oh, yes. I'm, I think you have a lot more than me again. I just, I I don't know where they come from, but they come into my head. Do you want to um, start yeah, for chapter I 17? A, I only have a couple, and it's only on chapter 17, because okay. 18 annoyed me so much. <laughs> Besides this congeniality, which I already talked about. Okay, Um. So, I... I don't, this is like a very different scenario, but I know you've never seen this, but Skins Generation 2, Effie and Freddy, Effie, so the whole shower scene um, in this book, and then Effie and Freddy have also, not a shower scene, but a bath scene, Mm -hmm. but it's very different. For some reason, it just also reminded me, I think because in Effie and Freddy's case, it was after this like traumatizing thing happened to Effie where she I think it's she has bipolar disease Mm -hmm. so she had this whole like problem she's in her depression state and so Freddie's like we're gonna clean you up and like it's a very like protective kind of feeling that they have versus over here (laughs) Jared and Evelyn like Evelyn's also has this very traumatic experience and they just go straight into the making out in the shower Um, it just reminded me, like, it's very two different scenarios, but, like, yeah. again, like, it's the trauma and then two very different love interests, like, having a different response to how to take care of their love interest. It's funny that you bring that up, because I almost wrote down skins, but then I was like, oh, if Julia remembers, she'll talk about it, because I have seen those clips. That's, like, the one thing I know about skins, is that there's this, like, bathtub scene. yeah. Because I think it's one of the the nicest scenes for them. I mean, it's a terrible, again, scenario. She's, like, basically, like, yeah. suicidal at some point, and, like, it's mm-hmm. not good. Um, but the way that Freddy approaches it, like, he's like, we're going to take care of you. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Never pushes her, you know? Right. Um, no, that's sweet. I liked. Um, uh. <laughs> Evelyn and Jared are just like, you know, let's make out. <laughs> Meanwhile, my brain went to a completely different bathtub-related pop culture reference that has nothing to do with relationships at all. I just, every time there's a bathtub being relevant where someone just, like, sinks into the bathtub and, like, hangs out there for a little while, I'm reminded of Kyle XY. Did you ever watch that show on ABC Family? Okay, so it was this weird show on ABC Family where there was this guy, his name was Kyle. Oh, wow. Yeah, Um, and he didn't have a belly button, so they kind of for a while thought he was an alien, Um, and he was, like, adopted by this family and, like, slept in the bathtub instead of in a bed because that's where he felt comfortable from, like, the cold. (laughs) Uh, and it turns out he was, like, a lab baby. So they, like, grew him in a tube. Um, it was this whole, so that's why he didn't have an umbilical cord. Like, it was this whole weird thing. Um, but every, he always slept in the bathtub. Like, 
consistently would get up out of the bathtub every day and so like every time a bathtub comes up in a book or pop culture I'm like ah remember that show Kyle XY which I watched in like 2007 good times weird show but good times anyways I could relate sorry go ahead uh well my my other one is the when they were walking into the uh quote-unquote mess hall um I was just like I would love an ad, like a TV adaptation of this and I want them to make this scene like the mean girl scene where they're walking in and she's like like Colin or someone is like and here we have the dumb librarians. <laughs> no offense to librarians, just like mean librarians <laughs> who steal books and then on the other table we have the people who stalk you. <laughs> I want it to be that scene. Oh my god, that's hilarious. I love that. Um, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, okay. Going back to my love of this headquarters and all of their, like, weird combos of, like, electric lights, but, like, and insulating windows, but, like, medieval furnishings and, like, style, it really reminded me of how Mia describes the Genovian Palace in, like, book three of The Princess Diaries. Because she's, like, talking about how, like, beautiful the castle is and how it has all this, like, great architecture and all this stuff. But it's always really cold because they never put in, like, heating and the plumbing doesn't work right. But they do have um, all the channels and she's able to, like, email Michael from the business center. And I just, it really reminded me of that when they were talking about it. Um... I don't know why, but also this book that I read, um, that I don't remember, it was like a, a Ruth Ware book, but this like couple bought this old house in Scotland and like completely remodeled it. So from the outside, like it still looked like this like old, beautiful Scottish like castle house, but then the inside they'd like completely rigged it up with all this like fancy technology and like cameras and everywhere, um, and everything everywhere. So I love that combination. <laughs> anyway. Okay. The Damnatus, when they described the process of things happening, it was like Horcruxes. That's why I thought you were going to have a pop culture reference. Because, like, literally oh, the way they just... I didn't des- even think about that. Let me find the exact description. Hold on. Oh, yeah. Here. So it says, when a life comes to a violent end, a woman is raped or a child is abused. Whenever someone violates the natural order, the perpetrator pays with the loss of a part of his soul. In a manner of speaking, something is split off. That is the tribute demanded by nature. Like, yeah. I read that and I'm like, mm, Horcrux. <laughs> but they're not, like, putting their a bunch of parts of their souls into different things. I guess that's why I never made the connection. It's just kind of like... They're selling off part of their soul. Right. So, like, it almost, to me, feels like a combination of, like... So, it's the beginning part of the process to Horcruxes. They just don't have the same magic and context to finish the Horcrux. Mm-hmm. Right? But, like, when you commit murder in the wizarding world, like, you're still committing that irrevocable act, that violent act that damages your soul... 
the creation of a horcrux is just storing it and bottling that power into something else to keep you alive that's why it's dark magic but the act of like creating the like it's almost like containing the split off part of your soul like that's the making of a horcrux but i think your soul still gets split if you commit such a violent act in the wizarding world it's just not going to be bottled for your immortality purposes doesn't it happen in the mortal instruments too? It's the um, cup of life. They they're gonna take a sip from the cup of life. I don't know. I didn't read the books. <laughs> I think I'm just so like used to now reading all of these like immortality scenarios that I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> here we go again. <laughs> well, this kind of is like an immortality scenario, right? But it's almost like instead of getting a horcrux like they're living off of unicorn blood like they have this half-life this cursed life that they're barely subsiding on through their bondage to morgana like it's almost like they created a horcrux through that bondage that's keeping them existing and not going to hell not formally dying even though they're basically dead like walking corpses (laughs) um it also reminded me so it was kind of felt like the horcruxes but like crossed with the typical image of like selling your soul to a crossroads demon um which of course for me that normally i think of like supernatural because there's crossroads demons all over supernatural and that happens all the time um which obviously is a little different because you sell your soul to the crossroads demon when you die your soul goes to hell because you've already like committed to hell but it's as if Morgana was the crossroads demon and just wasn't in hell and she stayed in the mortal world the entire time then you stayed in the mortal world. Like, it, they all felt very similar even though it was, like, slightly different. I don't know. I just, my brain, especially with the description of, like, the soul being split off, I was like, ooh. Horcruxes. Evil people. Um, And then I just really thought about Game of Thrones and the Lannisters and the Targaryens when Jared's dad looks like the professor. Because <laughs> of the incest. Oh, the incest. Yeah. Like, I don't want to know. Is he also a descendant of Merlin or did it pass through his mother's line? I don't know. I'm just uh, curious. He's his father. <laughs> oh my god. That would be hilarious. Oh, God. Um, So, I'm going to bring us back to Twilight. (laughs) Can't do a single chapter without Twilight. I really can't. But I would like to point out, Edward has both Linkin Park and WC CDs in his car when he's... Why are these authors so specific about these music? artists why are they using the same ones oh my god what if okay hear me out on this one what if sarah kleck the author Mm -hmm. is actually just the german pseudonym for who wrote stephanie meyer (laughs) do we think stephanie meyer can write a whole novel in german maybe she had it ghost written and she did it in German so that people wouldn't think it was her. That's uh, a lot of effort there to not make a lot of money. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's not a good marketing strategy. Maybe she didn't want money. She just wanted to write. 
You don't know. And maybe she didn't think that this was going to sell well in the American market. <laughs> She's right. <laughs> um, no. It's not Stephanie Meyer. But there is a lot of Twilight references. Uh, and links. It's weird. It's just that the CD thing is very weird that they both had CDs. Like, of Linkin yeah. Park and Debbie C. Like, that's a little extra. But whatever. So, I kind of already talked about this. But the... Um, the safe house in the woods like really feels like the the safe spaces that they set up when they're camping in the seventh harry potter book or like the quidditch world cup it's mm-hmm. so, like the muggle repellent tarps but also like muffalato and like all of these other things that make things quiet so people don't actually know you're there and like make it invisible um i want to see that lotto i think is also a sandwich <laughs> just saying. is it really yeah, with a lot of sandwich. I think it has a lot of meat on it. Let's see, a mousseletta. I'm really hungry, so. A mousseletta, sorry. Mousseletta. Oh. Okay, sandwich. I was kidding. That makes more sense. Um, <laughs> yeah, it has a lot of, of meat and cheese on it. Mm-hmm. Mm, yum. They also reminded me of the safe houses in Spy Kids. Oh my god, I, the safe houses in Spy Kids, like, all of the technology in Spy Kids, I'm still waiting for that. Like, come on. They have the coolest gadgets. Can we just do, like, can we have, like, a drunk Netflix party night where we just watch Spy Kids? Are they on, are, is Spy Kids on Netflix? Yeah. Anyways, the safe house idea reminded me of the safe houses in Spy Kids. (laughs) Okay. Back on track. Um... I, okay, also, their whole, like, commune situation, where, like, (laughs) everyone is just, like, living in this one place and, like, eating in the same place, just felt very dystopian YA, right? Yeah, it does feel a little dystopian, like, very divergent, like, we're gonna live in this section together. Yes! Oh my god, I literally said that, I was like, this feels like a cross between Amity and Dauntless. Yeah. And, like, their cafeteria spaces. <laughs> oh, gosh. Because it's not as, like, aggressive as Dauntless, but it's not as peaceful as Amity, so it kind of feels, like, in between there. It also reminded me of the community and the host, and I think part of that has to do with Jesse and, like, having a little girl kind of, like, around, um, but it felt similar to the host, which can back up your theory that Stephanie Meyer wrote this book under a pseudonym. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and then my it's last a conspiracy theory. <laughs> my last little um sort of note that I was like jotting down when we were talking about Gareth. Cause what you said where you were like, he's not good, but like I want to like him, but like I don't know if I can. That it just triggered in me. Um and I can't remember his name, Mr. Gray, maybe, um, from Raven Cycle, where he was, like, this oh, yeah. bad person, but you couldn't yeah. help but love him. The Gray Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's a really good connection, actually. I'm su- surprised I didn't think of that. Well, you kind of did, because the way you were talking is what inspired me to think of it, so. <laughs> I'm so glad. You can take half credit. <laughs> That's a really good connection because he starts off as like this shady figure, right? And then he turns good in the end. So, yeah. And he protects them. So maybe Gareth will protect Evelyn. Hopefully. Gray man. 
Okay, and then I just have a lot of references with the training. Okay. <laughs> Chapter 18, so bear with me. Um, Colin offering to train Evelyn and, like, their whole little sparring scene, like, reminded me of Shadowhunters and, like, them trying to tra- train Clary for the first time. Oh, the TV show? Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah, like, I don't remember in the book. How would they do that? Oh, it's um, but it's it's what's her name, and I don't know how it is in the TV show, but in the book, it's what's her name, and she goes so hard on Clary. Like Colin's at least nice, and like God, what's her name? I don't know, cause I'm pretty sure it's supposed to. No, it's the guy who's like bound to the academy, who can't leave because he was like a supporter of. What's his I name? I should reread the book. Oh but my god, what's his name? The, the I literally, so bad, I don't remember anyone's name. Hold on, I'm gonna Google characters in cities of... Characters in city of bones. This is so terrible. I will find it. It's been years. Uh, Hodge. Hodge trains her. He does it in the movie, which is probably where you're getting confused because we rewatched the movie recently. But I think she he fills her in though on all of the like lore of their world basically. But in the in, I'm pretty sure he's also like the training master, and he trains all of them, which is why it's so easy for him to double cross them them. because he knows how they fight. So, which spoiler alert for City of Bones? (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Sorry, guys. Um, but, yeah, no, he, I'm pretty sure Hodge trains her, but he's, like, very, like, even-keeled in his training um, because he's been around for a while, you know? Mm-hmm. Who knows what iteration that actually happens in, whether it's the TV show or the book, but I don't think I'm making that up. <laughs> I may be, though. Who knows? But it also reminds me, maybe not reminds me, but it just made me think of, like, Bradley James as King Arthur and, like, him training the knights and just, like, thinking about that. Because <laughs> okay. I always enjoyed watching those scenes. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was a really good teacher. Like, we didn't expect it of him because he was such an asshole most of the time. But, like, he taught his knights really well and was, like, very patient with people. Mm. Um, which I think is a, I guess maybe just, just, like, a trademark of Arthur that's, like, people don't normally associate with him. But I like that in those kinds of adaptations where his patience gets incorporated because he's not known for having a lot of it. Um... But obviously he's not like King Arthur because he's willing to train a girl and King Arthur wouldn't have done that. Neither would Bradley James's King Arthur have done that. Yeah. So Gwen asked and I'm pretty sure he said no. Um, <laughs> Jessie starting her training at 10, which is very cute, but also was like, oh, she's going to become a Pokemon trainer and go on her Pokemon adventure. <laughs> Because okay, that always nerd. happens. That always happens when they turn ten. Like that's the whole premise of the game and the show is like, you turn ten and you get your first Pokemon and you go off on an adventure because for some reason your parents are gonna let you wander an entire country on foot and fight bad guys at ten years old. 
God. Which again feels reminiscent here because she's training to fight damned souls as a 10 year old. Like, concerning, maybe. <laughs> Just saying. Um, and then I was, I kind of mentioned judo earlier, but I'm fairly confident that judo is another martial art where you use your opponent's weight to your advantage. And like, it's easy for small people to do judo. Um, and it really reminded me of Nancy Drew because her best friend George in the original books, um, would always compete in like judo championships. And she was this like small little tomboyish girl, but she could do it because it judo allowed her to like flip people like over her shoulder and then she would apply it when they went on their mystery hunting things together so (laughs) i this is why i have so many pop culture references because i come up with a really random tangent (laughs) because i write down everything that i'm like ooh, (laughs) i haven't read that book in a while your your section it's good it's good I mean, if it prompts someone to reread a Nancy Drew book, I'm happy I did my service for the week. Because <laughs> I do love Nancy Drew. Even if it's old, like, those books were really ahead of their time. I never really got into Nancy Drew. Sadly. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm a terrible person. I know. All of my friends were into it but me. I don't know why. I was never a big fan of mysteries. Um, I think the only mysteries I ever really read were by a family friend who wrote mysteries, and that was, like, it for me. That was good. Um, that's fair. I mean, I think I really liked Nancy Drew because it. I really liked having a trio of girls who were all very different. Now, to be fair, could Nancy Drew be more progressive now? Yes. <laughs> Like, definitely. It was written, especially the original books, which are the ones that I've always read, were written, like, in the 50s or something. Um, Maybe even as early as, like, the 20s, 30s. Like, those books have been around for a while. And they're all white. The thing that's most (laughs) diversifying about them is their hair colors and haircuts. Uh, And they're all straight. So it's like you don't get a lot of diversity, but for the time period that it was written in, like it's actually fairly diverse because you get a girl who's a tomboy, you get a girl that's a girly girl, you get a girl that's just kind of like not wanting to deal with any of the boys around her and just like go off and do her own thing. And every time her boyfriend's like, spend time with me, she's like, I'm busy solving a mystery, bye. (laughs) And he's like, okay, and he just waits for her and I'm like, that didn't happen in the 50s yeah (laughs) so anyways i really love nancy drew i'll never apologize for it um especially since we don't know who the author ever actually was so we can't say that there's a problematic Ah. author because carolyn Keene doesn't exist can't pull a jk rowling on us no because so many people have written nancy drew books like it's just a pen name that nancy drew books get written under there's never actually been, like, one author. The Shakespeare of her time. Exactly. Shakespeare <laughs> of the 30s. Or, again, whenever they were published. I should look this up. I don't... Yeah, I'm just, like, spouting. this decade, like, five times. You're like, the 50s, the 20s, maybe the 10s, maybe the 30s. <laughs> when was Nancy Drew written? Okay. 
The original 56 volumes were published between 1930 and 1979. Beginning in 1959, the original texts of volumes 1 through 34 were revised and updated for consistency with the later volumes. Wow, interesting. Um, Continuation. Yeah, so, and it says the books are ghostwritten by a number of authors and published under the collective pseudonym Carolyn Keene. She is cited as a formative influence by a number of women, from Supreme Court Justices Sandra Day O'Connor and Sonia Sotomayor to former Secretary of State Hillary Rodham Clinton and former First Lady Laura Bush. Cute. She's a mythic hero and an embodiment of contradictory ideas about feminine. I need to read this Wikipedia article. Damn. (laughs) Uh, Also, she has a female best friend named George. How often does that happen? (laughs) She was cool before Blake Lively was cool. Just saying. Okay, I'll get off Nancy Drew. I'm sorry. I know we both want to go to bed. It's okay. (laughs) So, after all these super fun pop culture references, uh, Julia, who's your MVP? God, I don't even know if I have one. Um, (laughs) That's depressing. Yeah, I... I mean, I guess Jessica, because she's the most sane one and, like, is just a nice break from all of this tension that we're going through. And, like, she's just a bright, happy ray of sunshine who's just happy to have a new friend. (laughs) She needs to get out more. (laughs) Yeah, it's hard when you're stuck underground, I guess. Yeah. That's fair. I like Jessie. I think Jessie's a good one. Um... See, I've been bopping back and forth between Enid and Colin, but I think we've we've given it to Colin so many times. So I think I'm gonna we go have, with Enid. That's why I didn't do that. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with Enid. <laughs> we'll go mother daughter duo this Aww. week, um, because she's just been so calm and like yeah. collected and able to redirect people's attentions and like get things under control. She doesn't escalate with anyone, um, and she's really just there to kind of, like, keep the peace and make everyone happy, and she's the first adult that's been nice to Evelyn. I mean, Professor Marvin's been nice to her, but, like, it's the first adult who's, like, actually taken an interest in her and, like, spent time with her in the order, um, and I feel like we can trust her in a way that I don't feel like we can trust Ruth, so I'm glad that she now has like a support system within the society that she's been dragged into okay yeah uh so <laughs> what's your wine rating Ruthie? oh god collectively these chapters are probably like a six or a five out of ten for me kind of annoyed mm. by them mostly it's jared and for that i'm gonna say exactly what i'm drinking an april but without the spritz it's just straight up april you're just drinking it to get drunk it's super sweet and kind of bitter at the same time and you're not really sure what to make of it and like you don't have that nice prosecco and water to kind of you know water it down a bit and make it easier to digest you're just going all in on the sweet and it keeps hitting you with the bitter at the same time 
That's true. That's true. I also just realized while you were talking, we can double entendre this section of the podcast. Oh. Right? Because our podcast is called Unnecessary Angst. And we're talking about a wine rating. Like, you're giving a wine score based on, like, what things you would drink based like based on the chapters. I can give a rating based on how much they whine in the chapters. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay. Eight Good. out of ten. Jared whines a lot. <laughs> I'm glad that you said that. I'm glad that you said that. <laughs> I mean, it culminates in the podcast title, right? I think Jared... new thing. Yeah, I love it. We're adding it. New segment. (laughs) Official. I'm going to put it... I'm going to put it in the schedule, like, right now. Um, (laughs) It's official. It is official. It is law. Julia's book wine review corner slash Chantel's. The wine review has turned more into a uh, alcohol corner. But That's fine. I mean, I was literally suggesting doing absinthe shots last week. <laughs> Please. So, it's fine. Um, okay, well, this has been fun. It's been a tangenty episode per usual, so we're right on track for us. Uh, <laughs> hitting that two hour mark doing great uh we have a lot we can cut out this week at least yes <laughs> but um thanks for listening guys um Thank you. we're we're getting close to the end of the concealed um we have so one more episode left we might have two <gasps> i think we have one we did four chapters Oh my god, you're right. We did do four chapters. Oh my god, we're talking about the next book, the end of the book soon. Oh my god. But then we have one more episode of The Concealed because we're going to do final thoughts and a wrap up. That's going to be episode 10. And then we talk about the next book. And then we talk about the next book. So for those of you who follow us on Instagram and Twitter, um, which Thank I'll you. give... Yeah. Thank you for supporting us. Um, If you don't and you've somehow stumbled upon this podcast just, like, browsing through Apple and Spotify, thank you for being here and sticking through to the end. I'm really proud of you. Um, But you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at at Unnecessary Angst Pod. On Twitter um, at at Unangst Pod. U-N-A-N-G-S-T-P-O-D. And you can also email us um, uh, at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com if you have thoughts about the books that we're reading, want book recommendations, want suggestions, um, or just want to chat with us. Like, we're around. We'll respond to social media stuff, too, but... uh, Uh, I will not. Okay, I will respond to social media (laughs) stuff, too. Um, Julia's Instagram's broken right now and likely will probably still be broken in eight weeks when this gets published. I don't understand why it's broken. (laughs) It happens. I'm not making this up. I know. You showed me. I believe you. Um, But I will respond to anything on social media. I'm constantly checking our Twitter and our Instagram. (laughs) So uh, feel free to leave a comment or message us there or send us an email if you want to chat about something more um, in depth. I will make sure Julia checks the email for the next (laughs) 
book so that I don't accidentally spoil myself on what happens. So feel free to send in spoilery thoughts on our next book once we officially release it. And stay posted on Instagram. Just check our Instagram feed and our Twitter feed to see what the next book is going to be because we will have already posted it by the time this episode comes out. Um, So stay tuned and excited to talk to you all again next week. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thank you.